everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we are, um, I tried last week, but I couldn't get there. Coming to an end of the series, He is Greater than me. He's greater than you. He's greater than me. He's greater than all of us. And I hope that that is something that is a reality for you, uh, as I want it to be a reality for me. Um, and, and in order for that to happen, I, we need to have the mindset of John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist's mindset was, I need to become less. I need to, I need to decrease so that Jesus can become more. That, that's the mindset that we have to have. We want Jesus to increase in our, in our lives. And so we came around really one verse, Luke 2.52. It's a verse between the ages of 12, age of 12 that we see of Jesus, a short little you know, snippet of age 12, and then the age of 30 when Jesus starts to come onto the scene. Um, John the Baptist is, is paving the way for that to happen. And uh, so we have one verse that Luke gives us. It says that Jesus just kept increasing. He just it kept increasing in what? And we've talked about wisdom. We talked about stature, our, our bodies, our physical uh, nature that we have, and what does that look like uh, to, to honor God with? So we talked about that. How does that increase our wisdom? We need to increase our wisdom. We need to increase, you know, the way that we see uh, the physical life that God has given us and, and in favor with God, and we looked at that, and people, in favor with God and people. So this is what Jesus increased um, what we see, you know, from the age of 12 to the age of 30. This is what Jesus made a priority in his life, increased in wisdom and stature, favor with God, favor with people. And so that's what we're talking about, favor with people. We looked at uh, last week, we looked at a verse, we went to Acts 2, where we see favor with people happening. And so it says in Acts 2, so the church is exploded, the church has begun, the Holy Spirit is upon them, uh, God is doing an amazing work, thousands of people are coming to know Jesus as their Savior, and they're praising God, and, and they're having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Every single day, God was adding to their number, their, their church, the church was, was growing, the, the God was on the move, and, 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 and lives were being changed, people were being saved, that, and because we said last week, Jesus saw people in two ways. He saw them either lost or found, lost or found, lost or found. Paul describes it this way. People are either dead, dead in their trespasses and in their sins, or, or they're alive. They're alive, made alive by the work of Jesus on the cross. You, don't have, you can't work your way to being alive. The work was already done. The work was done for us on the cross. Jesus did the work for you and for me. So by receiving Jesus through faith, Receiving that gift of grace, that's what, by the way, that's what favor means. It means grace. By getting that, that grace from God, that we are brought to life again. We are brought to life again. And so this is the way that Jesus saw, sees people. This is the way that we need to see people, which is why it should be, you know, Paul says, I become all things to all men. Why? Why, Paul? Why did you become all things to all men? Why would you sort of try to make, your, make yourself kind of fit in here and fit in there and, and try to relate and connect and engage with people that were from different beliefs and different ideologies and different philosophies and different nations and different, spoke different languages. Paul, why would you do that? Well, Paul says, the reason why I did that is because I wanted to save some. 
I, I, wanted, I wanted people to come to a, to a relationship with Jesus because that's the best decision that anybody can make is, is have a relationship with Jesus and be saved. That, no, that they're no longer lost, but they're found. That they're no longer dead, but alive. And so Paul says, I'm, I'm gonna do whatever I can in, in my time that I have in this life to make sure that people know Jesus that they know Jesus, they're saved. So, so the church, they, they just had that mindset. They were like, we want favor with people. We want favor with people. And when God, when they were doing that, God was at every single day adding to their number. And I said this last week, this is like, this was a, this would be a dream for, for the, a pastor. Like this is my, my, my dream verse, right? Like this is like it, right? Where people are having favor with all people in our community and, and every day because of, you know, your efforts in, 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 in mind going out, not just gathering together, but scattering out into the world that every single day people were coming into the, the, the faith in Jesus and being a part of the big Big C church, global church uh, that, that is doing just fine, by the way. It's doing just fine, the, the church. And so, so I, my prayer is, is, is this right here, is that we can be a part of, and we are a part of something that every single day, every single day people are no longer lost, but found, no longer dead in their trespasses and in their sins, but now alive. So what do they do? How, how, do, they, how do they accomplish it? accomplished that. Well, we, we came around this verse and we went back a few verses and to, to see what they did. And it says, and all the believers were together and had all things in common. All the believers were together and they had all things in common. In other words, what that means is, is that regardless of ideology or, or gender or race or, you know, different points of view on life, perspectives on life, they all had one thing in common. And that one thing in common was this, is they were sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They were all the, the greatest thing, and we could go around the room and we could talk about all of our differences, but what transcends all of our differences, what transcends all of our you know, different points of view on things and different opinions on things and different ways we see the world, what, what should transcend that is the fact that you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, that we are, if you're a believer, you and I are part of the family of God and we should treat each other in that way. We should treat each other as brothers and as sisters, not as enemies, not as pointing out differences, not as getting in debates about why you see things certain way and why they don't see things your way, but to see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. So in, so in other words, they formed community, community, emphasizing unity. They were together. They were together with that. They were, Peter wrote about this. Peter wrote about this. He, Peter said that, you know what we are? You know what we are? This is so important. So, so if, you, if you watch the online Devo this week, I talked about how, you know, the church, Paul gave the example how the church is like the body, like our body, we, we all have different parts. We all play different parts, you know? Um, and if you watch, you know, the, even the pinky toe, 
is important. Even the pinky toe matters uh, in, in the body. Like without your pinky toe, you know, we lose balance. You, did you know this? Did you know this? As a diver, do you know how important it is for a diver to have their pinky toe? They can't propel into the water as well if, they, if you don't have your pinky toe. So you're like, man, I sometimes feel like a pinky toe in, in culture and in society. You're in good company. You're needed. You're important. So Paul's like saying, listen, everybody has a different body part. Not everybody can be the same part, but everybody plays a part and a role and it's in your important. You matter, you matter. Well, Peter is like, oh, Paul already used that, so I can't use that. But, but Peter says, I've got a different analogy. So Peter was like, how about, we're like blocks. We're like, and, and here's what Peter says. He says, you also, you also as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He says, listen, like you and I are like in, in unity and in community, we're like, we're like bricks in, of a building. And we're living beings. We're no longer dead. We're now alive. And we're, we're being built up into a spiritual house for, for a holy priesthood. Like, and, and, and you may sound, this sounds maybe weird to you, but like you as a believer, as a Jesus follower, you're a priest. You're a priest. Like you are considered a holy, we're a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. And that's a whole other sermon for another time. But we're to offer spiritual sacrifices, think, things like, you know, serving and, and, and you know, showing compassion and, and loving and, and just being a part of what the, it looks like to be a part of a local church. Those are spiritual sacrifices. And, and I've said this before, like that's a lot cleaner than if what priests used to do in the old covenant, which was you bring in your unblemished animal into the building and then that thing is sacrificed that thing is slaughtered like I'm so glad that we don't have to clean up that mess every single Sunday aren't you and so we our spiritual sacrifices are a lot cleaner sometimes they feel like wow this is this takes a, a sacrifice I have to like not do this and so I can do that or I have to give this up and so I can make sure I fit that in but that's what they're supposed to be right because they're sacrifices that we make but we're a part of something bigger than us that God is building up right God is building up and he says so we're a priesthood and God is building up a spiritual house a spiritual house Peter goes on to say this. He says, just to say, just to remind you of who we are, who we are, right? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness, who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Anybody in the marvelous light in the room right now? Anybody? Come on, let's hear you. I just, let's stay awake. Are you in the marvelous light or what? Come on, here we go. Come on, we're no longer in darkness anymore. We put our faith in Jesus and he did the work for us. I didn't have to do it. He did it all for us. And he, his, he says, you're chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're people for my own possession. I'm building you up into a spiritual household so that you can go out and proclaim to the world that you don't have to live in darkness anymore. You don't have to live there anymore. You can come into this 
marvelous light and be saved. Hey, that to me sounds like we should be thinking about how we can have favor with people because Jesus saw them either in darkness or in light. And I hope that you see people either in darkness or in light and you want them to come into the marvelous light that you and I are in. Come on, are you with me? That's who we are. We're community being built up by God. So I gotta just, this is simple. Maybe you don't need this and I probably will run out of time because of it. But in order, did you guys get a cookie? Oh, you gotta get a cookie. Don't eat it yet, don't eat it yet, don't eat it yet. So in order for this delicious thing to happen, right? In order for this delicious thing to happen, it takes ingredients, doesn't it? Like it takes things. Like, I, and, and don't think for one second that I know how to do this. I just, the internet is very helpful. But you need things, right? You need like baking powder. You know, you need vanilla extract, right? Whatever that is. I don't know. You need some sugar, right? You need flour. Am I on track so far, Miss Peggy? Am I doing Okay. You also need baking soda, and I don't know the difference between baking soda and baking powder, but you can explain it to me later. You need some salt for that, right? You need a stick of butter for that, right? You need an egg, sure, right? right? And you know what I forgot? I forgot the chocolate chips. I'm like, I had everything, right? So the picture is, the picture is, so, so, Paul uses the body, and Peter is using the blocks, and I'm just going to use the cookie. And the picture is, is that all of us, all of us have a different ingredient. All of us are, are a different ingredient. You may be butter, or you may be salt, or you may be baking soda, and you may be baking powder, and you may be, I don't know, an egg. You may be sugar. You may be flour. You, all of us, all of us play a different part. Now, now, I don't know about you, but I don't think it's a good idea to just be a solo thing going into. Like, we're best, we're best when we're mixed together, right? Like, if you're just sugar hanging out over the side, like, I don't recommend anybody take this down the sugar, right? And I don't recommend anybody eating this whole stick of butter, right? Like, no, us individually, are good in and of itself, but together, we're better. Together, we're, we're what God is, is making and what God is building, what God is forming and what, you know, God is establishing. Together, we're just all a part of this thing that God is baking up into this delicious treat. This is the picture you play an important part. You are a body, even if you think you're, you're a pinky toe. You're a block, uh, you know, a knockoff the old block. Bad joke. You're, but you're alive and, you, and you're together, we are building up this spiritual house, right? You're an ingredient. You're an ingredient for a delicious cookie that God is baking up. That's what we are. That's what we are. So that's the picture. That's the picture, right? So how is this exhibited or how is this, is this demonstrated? Well, let's look at, let's go back to Acts 2, okay? Acts 2. 
Look what they, look what, so we, we talked about a first part of this verse last week. Day by day, continuing in one mind, with one mind in the temple. Why? Because there was thousands of them and they were like, we need a place to gather that can fit, you know, m- most of us. And so they met at the, at the temple and they would continue to do that every day, day by day, one mind in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. So how, what are the, what's the legs behind this community? What is this thing that when, when we come together in community and have unity, how is this practiced? How is this shown? How is this demonstrated? Well, it shows us that what they did. And it says that they went from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. So how is this played out in our life? Well, it's played out in this way. And here's what it should be for us. It's played out in hospitality. It's demonstrated in hospitality. That's the way that it's demonstrated. That that God says, listen, I want you to be a community and I want you to have unity in that community. That's so important. But the way that that is shown and the way that is demonstrated is by by exhibiting and being a part of something of, of hospitality. A couple weeks ago, um, I was invited over by a family in our church to come and have pancakes at their house. And, you know, I, you know his, Kevin was, Kevin, he's Guthrie. He does our, our live streams, awesome guy, amazing family. Kevin was audacious enough to say that he makes a really awesome pancake. And I was like, Really? Like you, you're like yeah. He's like, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I make a good pancake, real good pancake. And I'm like, all right, all right, man. Like I thought I needed to pull him to the side and say, like, are you sure you don't? Want, are you sure? Like you don't want to back down off of this claim? Like this is a big, big claim that you're making. He's like, he du- he doubled down. He's like, no, I make a good pancake. I said, okay. I'm coming over. I, so me and a couple other uh, went over to the, the Guthrie's house. We show up, man. They open the door for us. We, we come in. You know, Kevin's in the kitchen. He's making pancakes. He's, going, he's got bacon. He's got sausage. Uh, he, he's got, you know, you name it, man. It's, it's out there, man. And then he, he serves us the pancake. And it was amazing. It really was. I go, Kevin, you nailed it. You're right. You make an incredible pancake. So while, before we came over, before we came over, he's like, yeah, yeah, come over this time, this time, and I said, okay, okay. And he texts me, he says, bring your suit, bring your suit. And I was like, my suit? I'm thinking to myself, my suit? He's like, yeah, bring your suit. I go, I'm thinking, and then he goes, we'll get in the hot tub. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down, slow down. I says, you know, I'm thinking, slow down, man. Like, and I just texted him back, and I said, hey, man, we'll just do the pancake thing. We'll start there, and then, and then we'll see where the, where the hot tub thing goes from there. I should have asked your permission for this. I'm sorry. So I, we show up, and man, they, I'm telling you, Beth and Kevin, they were so hospitable. They were like, they were so like, it didn't like, it was like, I just felt like at home, right? I just felt so welcome, you know? I just felt like a part of like what they were doing, you know? It's like, 
it wasn't, it, it went from like, it, cha- it changed like from like, I, I, I know the Guthrie's, but now I like belong to the Guthrie's. Like, like, I, like we're getting pictures, family pictures done, right? In a couple weeks. <laughs> like we're all wearing white shirts with button ups, right? Right? Wyatt, right? Me and you, bud, brothers. But you know, like, that's what hospitality does, doesn't it? It, like, it, like transitions from, like, I, I know somebody, but now I feel like I really know somebody. Like, I belong. Like, I belong to them. Like, it was so hospitable that at the end of it, I regretted not bringing my bathing suit. <laughs> I was ready to get in the hot tub. Fire the thing up, man. Let's go. It's, it's, it's about hospitality, hospitality. Now, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing when it comes to hospitality. Hospitality is, is intentional. It's providential, I, I believe. It's providential. Here's, let me give you an example of, the, of that, okay? Here's what Paul said. Paul, we don't have a lot of sermons that Paul preached, but we do have one specifically. And here's one of the sermons that Paul preached. Here's what he says in Acts 17. It says, The God who made the world and everything that is in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made by hands. Where does, where does he dwell? In temples, uh, us, right? He dwells in us. He says, he doesn't dwell in temples made by hands. He dwells in p- t- temples that God made. But God made. Verse Next verse. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all people life and breath in all things. And then he goes on to say, and he made from one man, Adam, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined, look at this, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. He says, listen, he says, God has providentially placed you and I specifically in an, a, 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 hab, a boundary of habitation. He's determined our time that we inhabit it. He has determined our place that we inhabit it. He, he says, I, God has, has done that. God has, has put you in a, in a certain position where you're at right now. For what purpose? Well, Paul says, here's the purpose. Here's the reason, that they would seek God if perhaps they might feel around for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, you have been placed at a, de- at a determined time and a determined place where you do life, where you live. Where you go to, you know, send your kids to school, where you work. God has intentionally put you there for what reason? So that you can seek God and perhaps you may feel around for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Why isn't God not far from, from your neighbor? Why is God not far from your coworker? Because you are not, you are not far from your neighbor. You are not far from your co-worker. You have been placed with a purpose for people that are seeking God to be able to find God. Why? Because they found you. They found you. 
because you were in that determined place at that determined time in history and in geography. And God says, listen, and you're placed there for a purpose. You're placed there for a reason that God has determined your boundary to be hospitable, to get to, to a place where you don't just know somebody or you think you know somebody, but that they actually feel like they now belong. They belong. So just, just for fun, I got a map here, okay? Just for fun. These are just the school districts broken down in the school districts. So here's the, how this works, right? Like some, come, some of you come from Waterford. You know, some of you come from the Hill, Huron Valley School District. Walled Lake, obviously. West Bloomfield, some people come from there. South Lyon, people come from there. Novi, Farmington. So here's, you know, a lot of where you come from, right? This is where we come and gather here. But the more important thing is, is not that where we gather, because we, we gather it here, but where we scatter and show hospitality to a world that needs to see Jesus, that our, that, our, that our purpose and our calling in this, in this world is to not just say, hey, I go to church on, the, on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Market Street in Walled Lake, but that I'm going out into the world and I'm going into my neighborhoods and I'm going into my workplaces and I'm going into my schools because I want people to be out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so it's much more important than us gathering is us scattering into the areas in which God has already determined you to be for the purpose of people knowing that when they want to find God or they're seeking God, that they can find God where you are at every single day. Day by day, God was building the church. And you're an ingredient in that. You're in a part of that. And that's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. So back to Acts 2. Hospitality. And all the believers were together and had all things in common. You know what that, that, that word common there means? Here, and, and, and give us an example of what this looks like. Look at it says in Acts 4.32. This sort of explains what that, what that also meant. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. So they had community, unity and community. And not one of them, look what it says. Not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. That all things were common property. Everybody was like, I don't own anything. I just... I'm stewarding some things and if anybody has a need and how you can show hospitality is that if anybody has a need that you don't see your stuff as your stuff, you see it as God's stuff that God gave to you in order for you to be able to share that with others. And it says, go back to Acts 2 verse 45. Look what it says. Um, no, Acts 2 45. Oh, Never mind, never mind. I got jumped ahead too far. So here's what, the, here's what they said. They said, listen, we want to be people that are open-handed. 
open-handed. We want to be people who are sharing what we have. And we don't, we own things, we own things, but anybody can have access if they, if they need. Here, here's a couple examples of this. So um, for like three or four summers, I've been trying to get a riding lawnmower for my house that stays working. Jim and George Wilson, for the last two or three summers, have been over to my house multiple times trying to get my riding lawnmower to stay running. Multiple times, multiple times. They've been in there, oh, what's it this time? Oh, they got to change this, this gasket and this rotary girder. And I don't know these terms. Like these are, I'm just making terms up. And so there, and finally, I couldn't get the, my riding lawnmower to work again this summer. I couldn't get it to start. And I was like, I just didn't, and I know they would. I just didn't want to bother Jim and George. I know they would, and I would, they would help, but I just didn't want to bother them. So I was like, well, you know what? I have a little push mower. You know, I could use the exercise. So I would just, all summer long, I've been pushing the, my, my grass. And of course, we've had a lot of rain, and the grass keeps growing, and I'm, I've mowed double the time this year that I've ever mowed before. Well, my neighbors, they're not here. I think they're watching online. They're at a wedding. Ron and Kathy Everline. They, I've come home at many times and Ron and Kathy, Kathy uh, um, more than Ron, I don't know why, but Kathy has cut my grass. She'll just come over with her riding lawnmower and she'll cut my grass. And so she'll, she'll commonly do that. And she just says, listen, listen. She says, anytime you want to use my riding lawnmower, you just go right into the shed and you pull that thing out. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm good, I'm good. No, 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 no. She, I insist, I insist. She, here, she goes, anytime, anytime you want to use that more, more, you go into that. And a couple times, I just did. I walked across the street and I went into their shed and I pulled out their lawnmower and I just started cutting my grass and I put it, fill it up with gas and put it back in their shed. But they didn't care. You know why? Because here's why. And I don't feel like I need to buy a, a riding lawnmower anymore because I have one. <laughs> I have one anytime I want. I can go across the street, open up that. I'm like, hey, Ron, can you make sure this is fixed? Like working all right, change the oil on it. I'm putting a list of things these need to do to make sure that now it's our riding lawnmower, right? It's hospitality. They, don't, they didn't look at their lawnmower as it's, if it's their own. They look at it as like an opportunity to bless somebody. So my kids, also my kids the last couple, few summers are like, hey, um, dad, can we get a pool? Can we get a pool? Can we get a pool? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to get a pool. I said, I said, we have two of them. And they're like, what do you mean we have two of them? I said, yeah, we've got two pools. I said, my neighbor, our neighbors, Reba and Carol, they each have a pool. I said, we don't need to get a pool because anytime we want, Carol and Reba say, come on over. Whether they mean it or not, I have no idea. But I take it as absolutely. So whenever we feel like going swimming, we send a little text message to Reba or Carol and they get to choose what pool they want to go in. If they want to go in the one that's like almost like a hot tub because Carol likes her super warm, 
they go, they go into that one. If they want one that has a deep end in it, they go, they go to Reba's. It's like, they, it's like we, I, why? It's like, I don't need a pool. I have two pools. Because I've got neighbors who say, this is not ours. I don't see it in that way. You can use it whenever you want. That's hospitality. And you're like, some of you might need to pull me off to the side and say, you're really taking advantage of your neighbors. Like, you're taking this to a whole other level, and I think you need to tone it down. Like, I'm careful. I make sure we ask, and then if they don't respond in a certain amount of time, I go anyway. So it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I mean, we've sat, Carol, we, Carol and I have sat, you know, the kids are swimming. I sit, and I'll say, hey, Carol, I'm thinking about talking about this on Sunday, and she'll, you know, bo- we'll bounce things off of each other, you know. Like, she's my sermon fact checker, man. She's like, she's making sure that I'm staying on point, you know, and this and that. We just sit, and we just, we let the kids, it's just hospitality. And hospitality is saying, listen, I've got stuff. I've got things, but I'm just a steward of these things. And if there's an opportunity for me to meet a need with the things that I have, I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it. You see, here's what they said. First century church, right? First century church, here's what they did. And they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that anyone had Need. Can you imagine that hospitality and that generosity? They would sell their property and their possessions. That's how much they believed in the mission. They would sell their property and possessions and they would share with them all to the extent that anyone had a need. That was the first century church. First century church. You know what the 21st century church is? 21st century church. Here's what it would write. Here's what it would say. And they would sell their property and possessions and save the profits to the extent until they had a need. Or, or 21st century church would say about us, and they would sell their property and possessions and spend the profits to the extent of what they thought they needed. Is that what they would say about you? Is that what they would say about me? That we think about our stuff as like our stuff, right? And yeah, God did give you that to steward. But he didn't give it to you for, to be closed-handed. He gave it to you to be open-handed. And to say, yeah, wow, you're, I'm blessed with a lawnmower or I'm blessed with a pool. And yet you can say, wow, with that, I'm going to let my neighbor use it or I'm going to let somebody that has a need use it. Or man, if, they, if those are hot summer days, man, and they need to go for a dip, man, I'm, my pool is open for, 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 for business. Listen, and I don't even know what I have to even make it fair for my neighbors. Like I have a trampoline. So Carol Reba, you're welcome to come over and bounce. You're welcome. You can come over and bounce on my trampoline anytime you want. You can shoot hoops. I have a basketball hoop. We, we'll play pig. I don't, whatever. But it's, just, they don't, it's, it's not thinking in those terms. It's not like, hey, I want to give. And then what, what can I give, get back? It's not, well, I'm going to do this for them so that they can do this for me. No. I just want to be a blessing. I just want to be a blessing. I want to be hospitable and I want to be generous 
with what I have, they went to the extent of selling their stuff in order for them to meet needs to others. What do we do when we sell our stuff? We either save it or we spend it. And I'm guilty. I'm guilty. You see, people who own things lived as if they didn't own anything. If they didn't own anything. That's the way they were. And you know what happened? They had favor with people. And the people that they had favor with wanted to know about their Jesus. And they didn't travel far for people to find, have to find God. They found God in the neighborhood from house to house to house to house. They found God where God positioned them because God positioned you there. And you're where you're at. Not because you have to pay the bills, not because you couldn't get the other job that you wanted. But you're where you're at. To be a light. To be a light. And to say, this coworker, if he doesn't know Jesus, he's in darkness. And I want him to see my light so that he can ultimately be introduced to the marvelous light named Jesus. You are exactly where you're at for a purpose and a reason. You're on mission. You're on mission. You're on mission. I, I, I don't have time to go through, but you know the, the Samaritan story, right? The good Samaritan, you know the story, right? What is that? It's about hospitality. It's about hospitality. It's about the priest who went by after seeing somebody, you know, injured, doesn't help them. The priest was late for church. He had to get to church. So he walked by. He's like, I, I'm, I don't have enough time for this, right? right? See, the thing is, you know, we're not bad people. We're just busy people. We're busy. The priest was too busy. The, the Levite, who was like, you could, the equivalent to like the worship leader, right? The Levite was too busy. But then the Samaritan man sees this person that has need and he takes the time to take care for this person and he puts him in a, in a, a place of lodging where they, this man can recover and he pays the, the bill for, for, the, for the person to recover. He goes through all this. It's, what is it about? It's, about? it's about showing hospitality to somebody in need. And Jesus would say, hey, you know what the greatest commandment is? Throw that up there, will you, Neva? Luke 10. He says, you know what the greatest commandment is? Luke 10, and he answered, you shall love your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all of your mind, and, and, and he, he would later say, this is the second commandment, and this is just like the first. He says, and your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor as yourself. He says, come on. Be neighborly. Show hospitality. Live as if you, as if you own things. Live, you own things, but you don't really own anything. 
Because whatever you have came from God anyways. Whatever you have in your stuff, your material things, your possessions, your home, your car, all that, it's God's. He graced you with that. Not to hoard it, not to save it, not to spend it selfishly, but to share it where there is need. That's what they did. That's what they did. Neva, I have no idea where to tell you to skip to, but I think it's go back to Acts 2.46 or, or skip ahead to, uh, to Acts 2.46. There it is. Here's the mindset. Are you ready? Here's the mindset. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Here's the, here's, here's the mindset. They would come together and they would come into the house at homes and they'd have meals together. They'd have meals together. And at the end of the meal, they would take the moment to break bread. I think if they had cookies, it would have said, and they broke the cookies at the end of the meal. And here's why they did that. Here's why they did that. They did that because they wanted, they wanted to always remember the source of everything they have. They always, at the each and every single meal, they would, they would break bread to remember who Jesus is and what Jesus did. That he broke his body for you and for me so that we can experience the kindness and the grace and the hospitality of God in all eternity. And so when they looked at their, their meals, they looked at it as not like this is like a delicious meal to share, but they, it rolled past the, the food. You understand? It rolled past the food into he gets all the praise. He gets all the glory. Yeah, this steak is amazing. Yeah, this meal is incredible, but I'm rolling past the meal and I'm praising God for the opportunity to have a meal. It rolls past the created thing into the creator. And that has to be the mindset. That I'm not, my stuff is not something I'm gonna worship. It's my God who I worship, who gives me my stuff. And God in all of his grace and kindness has allowed you and I to have the ability to taste things. And they broke bread and it rolled right past who God is, or they roll, it rolled right past, but what that brought to them into who God is in this life. And when we think about the cookie, we think about the ingredients that it brings together, and all of us bring a, a part of that, but we also think about the fact that, man, we can break bread together and remember that, man, this cookie is good. How Good is our God. It rolls past the cookie and it goes into the goodness of who God is. So if you have a cookie, break that cookie open, will you? And let's remember, let's remember how good God is to all of us. 
So the reason why we have a cookie, Miss Peggy, come here, come here, come here, come here. The reason why you have a cookie today is because Miss Peggy had a birthday this week. Say happy birthday. And Miss Peggy said, I want to make sure that everybody gets a cookie. And I said, I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great idea. Because, you know, we love Miss Peggy. And Miss Peggy has been a pillar, a faithful servant of Jesus for how many years? Since I was 13. Since she was 13. And I don't know how old she turned, so I'm not going to ask her. Nor am I going to do that math. She turned 86 years young. Isn't that amazing? Incredible. And so she's like, and here's, here's the picture, and here's what it just reminded me of. I'm so, and, and here's how the Apostle Paul would say it. Apostle Paul, would, Apostle Paul would say, I thank my God for you and your faithfulness. See, Paul would say, I, I, he wouldn't say, Peggy, wow, you're, you're faithful, you're amazing, Amen. you're incredible. Right. Paul would say, I'm rolling past her Amen. to thank God that God gave us her. I'm rolling past the cookie, as good as it is, <laughs> and thanking God that God has allowed us to have cookies. I'm thankful to Jesus that he's given us you to be a part of this body. Family. Family. This is my family. And she is served faithfully and without question and, and just with a energy and a zeal that most 86-year-olds don't have. And it's not for her glory, it's for his. And she's rolling past her energy level to say, God, the only reason why I can do this is because of you, is because of you. And she's experienced this week the love of her family because the love of her life went home this year a faithful, incredible, dedicated man whom she served with. with for many, many years. And many of you, and some of you that are in this room, stepped up and said, Miss Peggy, it's your birthday. We're going to, we're going to lunch. And they took her to Frankenmuth. Her, her, her ladies group took her to Frankenmuth this week. And they had a wonderful time. And we were able to, because you went to Frankenmuth on Tuesday. We went to Olive Garden on Thursday. And my friends took me somewhere else. Yeah. And she had some friends that took her somewhere else. Isn't that amazing? That's what family community looks like. And this is the picture and we're so great. I'm grateful for you, but I thank God first for you, that you get to be a part of what God is doing. And you're positioned exactly the way you're positioned right now, right now, to seek God and to help others find him as well. So we remember the cookie.
And because of the cookie, we, we, it was her birthday, but we even roll past her and we thank God. And we thank God that he gave us her and he gave us the cookie. And he gave us Jesus, that's what she said. Yeah, yeah. Let's pray. Father, ah, it's community. Community played out with hospitality. And it's hospitality that we see as opportunity to share, to share, to share with those that may be in darkness, but the invitation is to be brought into the marvelous light. And we get to be a part of that. Specifically, providentially positioned right where you have us, right where you want us to be. Even though we may not like it, we don't, we don't maybe think, I don't want to be there or here or live there. God, you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And that is to see beyond ourselves to see past ourselves and to see you in it. God, I thank you. I thank you for Miss Peggy. And I thank you for allowing her to be positioned in this community, to be placed in this church, to be a faithful, dedicated servant of you. And we thank you for all the things like food and we thank you for all the things like money. And we thank you for the things like our jobs and our health. All the things, God, that you allow us to have. Not for our own benefit, not for our own gain, not because it makes us feel better or comfortable or secure, but it's, it's just realizing that your goodness and your kindness and your grace that we have a job and some people just can't have a job. We have some money and there's people in this world that don't have that money. That we have lawnmowers and swimming pools in order for us to be generous with and share and see it not as our own, but be open-handed with our neighbors so that they can see what it looks like to be a part of a community of faith that makes a difference. So I pray, God, that we don't just gather that we scatter into our workplaces and our neighborhoods to shine a light bright for you. It's all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.